everyone welcome to Forbes India cover story podcast series in association with the indicast.com my name is abhishek and uh, today i have with me the senior features writer abhishek ragunath who covers stories in media and entertainment hi abhishek hi abhishek how are you doing good and uh, this week's cover story focuses on the business of cricket what better day to talk about than a day when india well thumped sri lanka in about 36 overs did you get a chance to watch it oh well, yeah i did and you know finally we had something to cheer up on after a dismal two months in australia finally at the fag end of the journey you know virat has given us something to cheer up about so that was quite good absolutely we'll see whether or not we make it to the finals but this story is again not about runs and wickets but uh, it takes a closer look at behind the scenes so abhishek what's the story about and what was the trigger point well the indian team hasn't been doing that well and if whenever that happens there's always a huge noise in the media and everywhere else on how the brand value of cricket is going down it looked like the bcc didn't have an answer on what going on in cricket or what to make of it and then they had the huge uh, fallout with sahara and sahara almost backed out of the team sponsorship as well as you know from owning a franchise in the ipl they were willing to sell the pune franchise that was something that we have not seen with the bcc in, in, in the last decade at least the bcc has always come across as this very strong behemoth and it's very very difficult to arms with the bcci but sahara actually pulled it off and the bcci gave in and agreed to a lot of the demands that sahara had made now this was something unprecedented and that was one of the trigger point you know like has the bcci come to a stage where it can be arm twisted usually bcci is the one that everyone says does the arm twisting but in this case it was a reverse and then we decided to get straight take a deeper look into it in the quest you also got to meet mr n srinivasan who is currently the president of bcci tell us a little bit about the man behind you know one of the most one of the richest sports clubs in the world the thing with mr shrinivasan is when we began to do our initial research all the people that we spoke to when we did speak to quite a few most of them had a condition that they would speak off the record and the words thrown about most were like you know he is arrogant and he is very conservative and he is very mysterious he is very brash so those were the words that were thrown about and that was what we were expecting when we went to meet him at face value there was no trace of arrogance in him he answered all our questions without any hesitation he cuts through all the mush and gets right to the point so i don't know if if that is termed as arrogance maybe you know since we do not interact on a regular basis whether this was something that he had planned and he was just talking to us that didn't come across but you also get the feeling that this is not a man you want to mess with he speaks in a sort of a low voice but there's strength in his voice and you know even if if you get on to his wrong side that that wouldn't be a very good thing so his part doesn't simply come from being the bcci president i mean he he runs one of the largest companies in india in india cements mm-hmm. and i think he is definitely the largest player down south and he's been running a company that's been supporting cricket for the past 50 years so he knows what he's doing both in the cement business and he's seen the way cricket has grown up in the country though i'm not really sure he knows where cricket is going to go why do you say so i mean they have huge amounts of cash but it looks like it hasn't been deployed very well continuing on the same note about the funds not being used to well you know there are many people including the former coach of india john wright who has written in his book that bcci is more like a wolf in a sheep's clothing for many many reasons one of them being lack of transparency so what was your experience how approachable were they for a story like this on on the cover story of forbes when we told mr shrinivasan that we were doing a story on cricket he gave us the time immediately to come and interview him so it wasn't like 
we were trying to hide something from us and he answered all the questions too. But the BCA is not technically obliged to give us access to its account and that they didn't. We didn't even ask for it because over 70% of the revenues that they get is distributed to the state association. So it really doesn't make sense asking the BCCI what they do with money because what they do with the money is they distribute it. And also all the members who are in the BCCI, they are not poor fellows or even middle class people. I mean, they are businessmen, they are politicians. BCCI is not a source for them to make money. So most of the money that they make goes out to the state associations. And that is a different story because each state association is a private body. And if there is any lack of transparency in accounting, it would come from there. With the BCCI, it's more of a lack of transparency in what their future plans are. So then talking about the future plans, you know, everyone's talking about this. Test matches are a little too long. And that's why they are losing their popularity. T20 is good, but too much of it is tiresome. ODI, again, that is a one-day international format, is a day-long affair. So where does BCCI find itself at the moment, uh, considering that, you know, we are at an interesting point with Lalit Modi having been gone for a good year and a half or two years, correct me if I'm wrong. So where, where does BCCI find itself at this moment? Lalit Modi has been gone for, I think, two years now. And he's been tweeting and writing a lot on his blog. So that's been happening from his side. And BCA has been doing a lot of stuff. I mean, over the last couple of years, they've been having a lot of Team A tours to foreign countries, and that's going to increase. So I'm guessing that A teams, you see a lot more news on them traveling to England, South Africa, Australia, places where we are not familiar playing with. And so the youngsters in the team will get a lot of exposure and experience in those conditions. But the thing is, all, all this has already been happening since the last three, four years. There's nothing... New. Even if this is happening, what we're seeing is we're not getting our best players from over there. You know, the new entrant into the team, Rahul Sharma or Arashwin, they are more fans of the IPL. Talking a little bit about money, and you said that 70% of the money is generally distributed among the states. So what is BCCI's revenue model like? Well, I don't want to give away a lot of the story because that's what the story is about. But on the broader part, BCCI makes most of its money from selling TV rights. All the money comes from the broadcasters to the BCCI directly. So the BCCI gets its money because they've already signed deals with the broadcasters. Up to the broadcasters, then to sell ad spots on television and make their money from advertisers. That's how the model works in cricket. Right. The trigger point. Let's get back to the trigger point from where the story started out with. Nobody really knows what the real story is about. Was it... Truly, Mr. Subrata Roy arm-twisting BCCI and getting his way. I think it was more about bidding for a replacement for Yuraj Singh. Well, from whatever we could gather, I think the point about Yuraj Singh is a very, very minor point. For an organization like Sahara to just press on Yuraj Singh, that's very, very out of place. That, you know, just because you're not letting me replace one player, I'm going to do this. I think it, it was more of a case that Sahara kept making repeated requests to the BCCI for a number of reasons over a couple of years, over like the last two, three years, when they wanted more matches. Because in the IPL, the BCCI gets money from Sony and a large amount of the TV rights is distributed back to the teams because of whom the IPL runs. And last year, there was supposed to be a certain number of matches because the tournament was getting too long, it was shortened. It was shortened by, I think, around 20, 25 matches which amounts to around one-third of what Sara was promised. So they said that we paid around 30% more. Now, for an IPL team to admit that they paid 30% more for a team is slightly out of the ordinary because right now all the teams are saying that we were bought for an X amount, now we were worth 10X or we were worth 12X. And, you know, there was a famous report which said IPL is worth $4 billion. If an IPL team comes out and says, no, you know, we paid a little too much, that's clearly assuring that maybe the IPL isn't 
all that cracked up as it's supposed to be. I guess Saad Aziz realized that right now they were in a very strong position and the BCG was at a weaker position because Sara was paying close to $800,000 a match to the BCCI. So every time India played a test or a T20 or an ODI, Sara gave the BCCI $800,000. And in this market, it's very, very unlikely that, you know, you're going to find another sponsor who's going to pay you that much, especially now considering that India hasn't been winning at all because sentiment plays a huge role in cricket. Sara just knew that if there's any time when we can get the BCCI to do what we want, now was probably that time. But I see this much for the BCCI. They've played their trump card quite well on the whole Yuvraj Singh issue because Sara wanted to play five foreign players. What the BCCI has done is they've just asked the other IPL team owners to decide if they can do this. So ultimately, the blame's not going to come on the BCCI. They'll say, no, we try to be democratic and we try to give all the IPL team owners an open say. And obviously the IPL team owners have said no because it would be an unfair advantage to Sara. So that card the BCCI has played quite well. So, you know, even though their backs are to the wall, there are still quite a few tricks up the BCCI sleeve. Right. That's nicely put, Abhishek. And a couple of final questions. One is that talking about the IPL, over time, there has been some amount of fatigue in the format itself. So are there plans of reviving it in any manner possible? Because that is a considerable uh, cash cow for BCCI. And also the Champions League, which they tried to milk a little bit further. But things again didn't work out there with a couple of sponsors pulling out. So what are the plans up there, Sleeve? On the IPL, it's a tournament that's only four years old. And if you see the number of, I'm quoting this from a Sundar Raman interview, Sundar Raman is CEO of the IPL. What Mr. Raman said was that even though the IPL ratings are falling, the number of people who have been watching the tournament has been increasing year on year, which is true. 102 million people in 2008 and the first year, last year it was 160 million people. It, there is no doubt that the IPL needs to be re-energized. That has to be done. But how the BCCI does it, they need to sort of get onto a strong marketing push or Sony, uh, the broadcaster does it best, but the BCCI also needs to do something and that hasn't been happening. And well, the rest is there in the story to even find out on what, what they're planning for it. Right, I see you're, you're shielding your story very well here, Abhishek. But uh, <laughs> final question, how much, uh, and this is a little more personal about you as a cricket fan, so how much of your cricket fan came in the way in the story and how much of it helped you? One big help for me is that I was sort of able to see what I felt were all the wrongs in cricket or whatever was missing in the game, what needed to be improved. I sort of had a holistic view on the whole thing. Ultimately, if... If you just look at cricket from a completely business point of view, that's not going to work because cricket in India is not business. Cricket in India is a pure play on emotion. Like, I wouldn't be very surprised at all if after this one win, tomorrow suddenly everybody forgets that India has performed so badly because you're going away with a spectacular performance and how you finish is ultimately what matters in cricket. Since we don't have anything major scheduled for March except the Asia Cup, I know there was supposed to be an India-Pakistan series, so that would have taken the cricket frenzy to another level, but that's not going to happen. So it's going to be relatively quite much before the IPL starts, and then a lot depends actually on the IPL. If the IPL is able to get back its initial craze and the whole frenzy, because last year after India won the World Cup, I guess no one wanted to see these players play against each other, because you just saw all of them as one team winning and hugging and cheering each other. Maybe this year could be different, but then again, we'll have to wait and watch. I think on that note, it's uh, time to wrap up. We will wait and watch as to how 
this IPL goes as compared to the the previous ones. Thanks a lot, Abhishek, for your time. Thank you, Abhishek, so much. And uh, all you listeners, you can get this podcast on ForbesIndia.com as well as theindicast.com, and you can subscribe to Forbes by messaging Forbes to five one eight one eight.